So vision, <coughs> it's, uh, it's an important part of our lives as Christians to, to have a vision, to, to know what, where we're going, but to know where we're at as well, to, to know who we are, who God has created us to be. But more than that, a vision helps us to give us the right perspective. To, to, to not only to understand who we are, who God's created us to be, but to understand the perspective that we need in order to pursue that life. To I- enjoy that relationship that we have, that we've been created for. I, I, I had the opportunity this week to hear back from some of our connection groups who go through the follow-up questions from the message last week. And it was good to do that because I got some positive feedback saying, yeah, we get it and we're on board, we're excited about this. And there was others that were still trying, struggling to figure out this paradigm shift that you're talking about. And, and so I want to take some time this morning to, to, to spend, some, spend more time this morning on that paradigm shift. Because it is different. I mean, and many of us for, for decades and churches have, have kind of set things up in a certain way, a certain perspective, a certain way to view sanctification, a certain way to view our relationship with God. And so I know that I, I'm asking us to, in a sense, really uh, look at it totally backwards than what we typically do. And, and so I, I, I think it's important that we understand and that there's an understanding uh, among our people what this paradigm shift is and what it's about and how it looks, right? And what it looks, you know, how do we communicate that? And so this morning I want to start again uh, with that paradigm shift and, and, and kind of going through that, but I want to start by looking at uh, chapter uh, 10 of Luke. In, in the passage, because really the, the difference, the paradigm shift starts here. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. See, see, most uh, churches for the last, I don't know, a couple of decades at least, but several decades, uh, we, we tend to look at what is our purpose here as Christians. It's like when you give your life to Christ, you know, why does God leave us here? is the question that comes up. Why don't we just immediately get to enter heaven? And the answer always comes back to Great Commission. Do we have a mission to accomplish? And in, by saying that, what we're also saying is that the reason we're here is to be God's servants. Now, there's some truth in that. But we need to understand that that is, I, I think there's some misunderstandings in that. Part of what we do is make disciples of others. That's, that's part of our job. The Great Commission is part of what we're doing here. But it doesn't start there, and that's not the purpose for why God created us. God created us to love Him and to love others. And so our mission statement, our vision statement, comes under the mission statement, and our first statement we want to say is that the mission is to love God and to love others. It's not to accomplish something for Him. It's not to save the world. Our job, first and foremost, the purpose of our life, the goal of our life is to love Jesus and to love others. And so it starts there. But now understand that the the typical discipleship programs that we see in our churches today, they, they get there honestly. There is a desire among all Christians to experience this love of God, to, to, to want to love Him in return. 
And so, but the, the problem is, is that we look at this relationship with God and we go, okay, how do we, how do we know? How do I know that God loves me? I mean, we, we've got the Bible that tells us about Jesus and all he did, but I mean, how do I know that Jesus loves me today? And, and even more importantly, how do I know that I'm showing him that I love him? How do I know that I'm in an intimate love relationship with God? And the reality is, is that's really hard to understand. It's really hard to know. I mean, I, my wife, you know, we, we're married for 20-some years now, 28-some years right now, honey. Uh, and we have, uh, it, we've had this love relationship together. But, but how do we know that we love each other? Now, others of you guys can look and you can see the, some of the ways we interact with each other, the way we talk to each other. And, and you can go, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a loving relationship. But, but the reality is, is that sometimes, you know, just because I'm loving her and doing the right things, just because I occasionally buy her flowers or just because I go up and give her a hug, just because I say nice things to her, does that mean I love her? The reality is, is that other people can do that as well, but it may not actually mean love. It does, may not mean, and it may not certainly mean the same depth of love that I have for her. More so, we can also sometimes look at that relationship, well, it's based on my feelings. It, it's, I feel loved by her, and she feels loved by me. But again, the problem with that is that feelings are fickle, right? Sometimes we do feel that way. Other times we feel like we want to, Right? And so we as, <coughs> too long of a pause there, or did you, oh, sorry. So, so we oftentimes do the same thing with our relationship with God. We, we, how do we know whether I'm in this intimate love relationship with God? And so we look at the actions. So we focus on the actions. If I'm doing the right things that are loving, then that means I love God. Or if I feel like I love God, then that means I love God. If I, if I, when I go to prayer, if I feel like the prayers are not bouncing off the ceiling, but actually getting to him and I'm hearing back from him, then I'm like, hey, I'm in a good loving relationship. But if it ever bounces, that prayer, then all of a sudden we're like, ah, right? And this is also, you know, if, as long as we're doing the right things and God is happy with us and we're in a loving relationship with him, but if any time I forget to get up or maybe I was a little bit lazy and didn't and push the snooze too many times, and didn't read the Bible that morning, then all of a sudden, where's my relationship with God? I'm not showing him love, so does he love me? And so the discipleship programs, the, the perspective of sanctification that the church has had for decades now really comes out of oftentimes just, the, I mean, a desire to love God, but a desire to measure that. How do we measure it? And we focus on our actions, focus on our behavior. We focus on our feelings, which isn't necessarily all bad. But is it really what needs to motivate us for that? Is, is it really where we need to focus? In essence, the, the behaviors are easy to measure. And so we kind of just default into that. But here's the reality. This is, this is what the Pharisees were doing. You see, see, we oftentimes look at Old Testament as law and New Testament as grace. But understand that the Old Testament was grace too, right? Because what did God say? He said, I didn't desire sacrifices. I wanted your obedience. I wanted your heart. I wanted your relationship. I didn't just want you to go through all these rituals. The rituals to point out that I love you, not to just be focused on those. And the Pharisees had gotten that way. They said, well, look at how much I love God and how much he loves me because I am doing these rituals perfect. I'm doing the law perfectly. So it, we look at, this is where the Pharisees are at. They had 
focused on the behaviors so much that when Jesus showed up, he's like, yeah, you know what? You got the behaviors down really well. But I don't know you. This leads me, of course, to the other passage that is kind of scary. Maybe you know exactly where I'm headed. If you've read this passage before, you probably, either you ran right over it, and so you just kind of ignored it, or you stopped at it and you go, oh, I don't really like that passage. That's a scary passage, and it is a scary passage. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus talking, Sermon on the Mountain. Mountain, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, okay, well, so I just need to follow the law. I just need to do God's will, and I'll be all right. But then it goes on. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and, many, and perform many mighty works in your name? They're doing all the right things. And Jesus will say then, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. See, just actions alone is not prove our love. It's not the thing we should focus on. Because the reality is, what's really important is to know why we're doing what we're doing. Understand that all of these things that we do have to come out of that relationship. Not in order to establish that relationship. See, the source matters. Who instigates the actions that we do, the righteous acts that we do? Who, who instigates it? Most of the time, it's us, right? We do, right? It's, it's either us or it's other people that we know in our life. Or, you know, pastors or churches or leaders that are in our church, elders. They're the ones that instigate the spiritual practices that we do. You know, we read the Bible because, you know, well, not just because the Bible says so, but because we, oh, well, that's, that's a good thing to do. And, and my church tells me that we need to read the Bible all the time. And if we read the Bible every week, then God's going to love us and we're going to be in a loving relationship. Everything's going to be great. But who instigated reading the Bible? We did. See, back to my, my lovely marriage relationship with my wife. Uh, she, she already got beat up for service. Well, you didn't beat up. It was fun, right? I was... You came back. Yeah, exactly. So she's here for second service. Anyway, but, you know, the reality is we, we instigate this stuff ourselves. And it's like this. It's like Mother's Day, all right? We'd been married. My, uh, Debbie and I had been married like maybe two years. Had a kid already, right? You know, and all that. And it's great. So it's like Mother's Day, right? I got an amazing wife that I'm married to. She's an awesome little kid. And, and my wife, she's, she's mom, right? And it's Mother's Day, right? Sweet. So what do I buy my wife for Mother's Day? This is going to be great. So, um... I'm thinking, well, yeah, what can I do to help her? And so I decided to buy her a barbecue. Um, I just thought, you know, this would be great. You know, I'll buy her barbecue. She doesn't have to cook as often, you know, and I can be there to help her out. You know, it would be awesome, right? And so I'm so excited. And so Mother's Day comes, and here, honey, there's a barbecue. And she's just like, really? That's it? That's what you got. I mean, it was a bad thing, right? I mean, and you know, the, the thing that really bugs me is my dad didn't warn me, right? My dad could have told me. He could have said, don't do it, son. No, he's like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he was just like loving me, setting me up. Anyway, but the point is, is that I instigated that totally myself. I was thinking from my mind how I would, you know, be able to love her in my way, right? And so I, really, I give it to her, but it's not loving to her. And we do this with 
our relationship with God. Instead of going to God and, and spending time with Him and saying, God, what is, what is loving to you right now? What is your, what is you, what do you want from me right now? How do you want me to love on you? We just pick things out. Oh, God, I'm going to read through the Bible every day this year. Woohoo! it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And we offer this gift to him, and he's like, and it's not that reading the Bible is bad. Don't get me wrong, right? But, but what is instigating our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual practices? So often it's us, or it's the church that we're in that said, okay, here's how you get discipled. You start here, and you end over here. When you get over here, you're really close to Jesus. When you're over here, you're a long way. So you just keep working your way until you get closer to Jesus. And you'll love him more, and he'll love you more, and it'll be a great thing. But nowhere in that line is an approach to Jesus or to God and say, what do you want me to do? You can also see this in uniformity. In, 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 as the church, uh, you know, the discipleship programs in many churches come from this. It, it's a good place. It's pastors and leaders who love the Lord and have a desire to help others to love the Lord as well and to experience that relationship. But, but oftentimes it comes out of this. You know, a guy that, you know, a leader, a pastor of the church has been, you know, growing up in the Lord and has had this, has this amazing relationship. And he gets to a point where he goes, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Other people need to experience this as well. And so they write a book talking about how they have, you know, experienced God's love. And they say, that, you know, these are you know, five easy or seven easy or 12 easy steps to having a great relationship or a loving relationship with God. And so we have discipleship programs that are based on this, right? And so everybody is now going to go through the same process that this guy went through in order to experience God's love, in order to have that loving relationship. But the problem is, it's, that's one person's experience. It's again, like again, back to a relationship with my wife, right? I mean, uh, after we got married, imagine for a moment I went to my father-in-law, Don. I said, all right, Don, I says, you've known her for 19, 20 years. I'm, I'm still kind of new getting to know her. I'm only known her for a year or so. And so, Lord, or Don, not Lord. Yeah, he made me say that for a while. Lord Don. Uh, anyway, <laughs> at least until the wedding. Uh, but Anyway, so, I, so Dawn, how, 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 do, how do I love your daughter well? What is, what is the way to do that? And imagine he goes, oh, 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 yeah, I've got 20 years of experience. Let me share you my story of love for Debbie. And he says, first thing you got to do is you got to spend a couple of years changing diapers. I mean, it is amazing how that just drew my heart to my daughter. I mean, Debbie is just, I mean, it was a little stinky, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, just the intimacy that we had and be able to just having those faces and the smiley faces and the poo faces and all of that, it was amazing. And he says, then after that, uh, then we had to spend a lot of time. You, I, I, she loved it when I would throw her in the air. And so I'd pick her up and she would just giggle and laugh. And, oh, we just had such a great time today together. So that would be the next thing you need to do. And I'm like going, uh, okay, yeah, that would be great, right? See, but you see, this is what we do with God, right? We, we take somebody else's experience and the way that they have developed their love relationship with God, and we think that that should be normative for all of us. But we all have a personal relationship with God. It's a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. So many of our discipleship programs are based on one person's experience of how they developed that relationship. And we're, we're, we're trying to mimic that, thinking that that is going to be the way for us to get there. Like it's some kind of formula. We just got to figure it out. That's not, that's not. That's not what God's calling us to. He's calling us to an intimate relationship with God. Also, we, we see this and uh, we have a tendency to, to fall into routine. 
you know, maybe a discipleship program that we started when we were in, in, in our high school years, maybe, or, or some kind of certain spiritual practices that we began that we've developed over the year. Maybe journaling is our thing, and we always journal, and we love to connect with God through journaling, or maybe it's you know, through reading the scriptures every day, or maybe it's through attending BSF. And so some of us have actually spent you know, maybe 20, 25, 30, 40 years of our life doing the same spiritual practices over and over and over and over and over again. Although that's not bad, do we understand that God is moving and changing? Again, an example from my wife, right? When we first married, holding hands was a really big deal. We love to hold hands. We love to express love to each other and through that simple physical contact of holding hands, whether it be, you know, at church or whether it be, you know, uh, in driving in the car or whether it be just, you know, sitting on the couch and watching a show. Now, over time, we don't hold hands as much. It doesn't mean that I love her less or she loves me less. Not at all. And, and when we do hold hands, it's still loving, sometimes just to hold her hands, keeping from smacking me. Uh, anyway, uh, but... It, 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 it still means that I love her, but our love is developed, and we express love in different ways today than we did then. And, and again, this is the same for us with our relationship with God. So often, we can just get in a routine. We're going to do the same thing every week, every year, and we never even consider that we should change it. We kind of get into this like, hey, this is really working well. And oftentimes, uh, we will, it'll work well for many years, and then all of a sudden, crisis will happen, or something will happen in our life that's a little bit different. And so we lean into those practices that we've been doing forever that have always meant, you know, led to, to us feeling closer to God. And all of a sudden, now in this crisis moment, we're feeling like he's further away. And then we get frustrated. We're like, God, what, what happened? I'm doing all of these things that have always led to you interacting with me and feeling like uh, you're close, and now you're not. You're further away. What's going on? Well, it's because he's calling us into something different. He's, he's calling us into a maturing that relationship to share love in different ways and not just get stuck in a routine. The reality is that some of us have never asked God what he wants us to do. Some of us never asked that question. We've just gone to the Bible, we've just gone to our, our, our pastors or our leaders, just gone to our friends. But we've never asked God, what are the practices you want me to do this year, this month, this day? The thing we need to understand is that this relationship that we have with God is not based on our actions. The relationship will result in those actions. But we have to focus on the relationship. If we're focusing on just the actions and the behaviors, then we're missing it. It has to be instigated by God. It is only when our righteousness is instigated by God that that, right, that is righteous. So often we are, you know, again, back to what uh, in the Bible, and I think this was Jesus, but I could be wrong. Somebody said, somewhere in Scripture, I'm sorry, these are just coming to me off the top of my head. But uh, talked about how our our our, what we do, our righteousness is filthy rags, right? The, the fact that God's condemnation of the Pharisees, Jesus' condemnation of the Pharisees, was not that they were doing these righteous things, is that they were doing them without relationship. 
He says you're doing all of these things. You're following the law, but it's ugliness. It's sinfulness because it's not instigated by me. It's not based in that relationship. So this is the part of the vision that we're talking about. We are flipping the paradigm upside down and saying, typically, we have always looked at changing behaviors, which then leads to closeness to God, which leads to sanctification. We're saying, no, 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 we got to flip this upside down. We are, first of all, in a relationship with God. Once we understand and appreciate that relationship with God, then he will lead us into the right behaviors, and that will lead us into the sanctification that we long for. Instigation by him, motivation, is the love that he gives us. So here's a repeat of our vision statement. We are fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the slogan. That's the, that's the top piece. That's what we want to focus on. If the goal of our life is to love God and to love others, then we have to focus on the relationship first. And that's what this does. Enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ that it is out of that that everything else flows. If we don't have that, then it doesn't matter what we do. I mean, it does, right? I mean, right behaviors has a, be- a blessing to it, has a benefit to it, don't get me wrong. But understand that we need it to be motivated and instigated by God and his love. So fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ is where it starts. And, that ha- and then through relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer, journeying in life with our church family in honesty and humility, and enjoying our neighbor with God's love an authentic and caring relationship so now let's start to break down some of those sub points first of all relying the relying part here is about really is about the voice of god it's about understanding and hearing and listening and following the voice of god this is what we have in relationship with god See, there's, there's many of us here that I, I mean, not many of us, but there's some of us here, maybe many of us in, who are Christians, who don't think that God ever speaks to them personally. They think, oh yeah, well God speaks maybe to the pastor, or maybe he speaks to some of the elders, or maybe he speaks to those missionaries that are, you know, in those faraway places, but he doesn't speak to me. Some of us think that God has never spoken to us, but here's the reality. If God is in a personal, loving relationship with you, he has to speak to you. You can't have relationship without communication. God is speaking to you. And we need to recognize that that he's speaking to us. Expect that he's speaking to us and begin to listen for that. It's like the, you know, the, you know, the goal and the essence what we're looking for is being able to eventually be able to finish his sentences. God so loved the world, right? That, that we could finish his sentences. It's not just about memorizing scripture, but that we would understand and know his voice so well that when we hear him begin to speak, we know kind of where he's going because we've heard him before. This is the same thing in a relationship with a marriage relationship. Debbie and I, we can, we can finish each other's sentences, right? We can finish each other's sandwiches, exactly, right? Frozen, okay? So, uh, yeah, we, we can do that. The other day we were, and the, the funny thing is we don't even have to start, right? I don't have to start a sentence. She doesn't have to start a sentence before I know what she's going to It's like I know before she even begins to say what she's going to say. It's just because we've been together for 28 years, right? And so you're sitting around the table having dinner, and you're having a conversation with somebody, and, and, and you know that that conversation just ignited a thought in your spouse's mind that you know that they're going to now tell this story. You just know it's coming, right? You could tell the story for him in exactly word for word. And this is what we're looking for in the voice of God, that we would learn to discern and know his voice so much that we can finish his sentences because we know where he's going. We've heard him speak so many times. We've heard him tell this story so many times that we 
can end it with, we can, we can end the sentence for him. We have to learn to rely on the communication, this communication with God. To learn to rely on it. And it happens in many different ways. Uh, under this, uh, this particular uh, statement, we have Holy Spirit, God's Word, and prayer. First of all, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is, God speaks to us in our thoughts. He speaks to us in the circumstances of life. He speaks to us through other people. I mean, you know, and everyone has a little bit different kind of flavor of that, how that looks. For some people, it's an image, right, in your mind. You'll get an image of something or a picture of something. Uh, I don't get pictures. I don't know why. I just don't get pictures. Pictures would be cool, but maybe it's because I'm not creative enough. I don't know, but I don't get pictures. I get words, right? I'll get a, I'll get a phrase. I'll get a statement, right? And, and, and uh, the other, the other and, uh, several years ago, I got, the, I got the phrase, go to the river, jump into the river. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that? But I knew it was God because it wouldn't go away. Literally for weeks, that phrase was just coming back into my head. Jump into the river, jump into the river, jump into the river, right? So we need to recognize God's voice. We need to discern that and develop that in us. And all of us, it's going to be a little bit different. So sometimes it's in our thoughts, and here's how we affirm it. It's not just what happens in our thoughts, but it's also what's going on around us. And we pray, God, this thought came into my mind. Is this real? You know? And so we ask God to affirm that statement and and then all of a sudden we're walking down the street or we're having a conversation with a friend we haven't told them anything about this and all of a sudden they they say hey jump in the river and you're like what's going on right right that's how it works that's how God affirms it through the circumstances of our life through other people he is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit but he's also speaking to us through the God's word his word his Bible right the Bible this is a this is not only are these the words of God but we can't just look at them as just words on a paper. These are words of God. We also, when we're reading them, we need to be listening to what God is saying to us. We, we, we can't just memorize it. We can't just read through it. God will speak to us through this, but we need to be listening not just to what's on the paper, but what the Holy Spirit, what God is speaking to us through the words, right? What are the things that are, that are getting highlighted as we read it? What are the words that pop out of us for some reason? I read that passage a billion times, but all of a sudden now that word is popping out. Why? What are you doing, God? What are you saying to me? Through God's word and then also just through prayer. Our times with God. To, to recognize that God is communicating with us. When we make an appointment with him to do prayer, right, he's there. I mean, he's always there, but I mean, he's showing up. And the expectation that he's going to communicate. So often of our, our prayer lives are just filled with us talking. How much time do we spend just being quiet? We're in a world of chaos and busyness. And our minds are always going. And we can't ever quiet our minds, it seems like. And the reason we can't is because we haven't practiced. I think we have to develop that in us. To be able to quiet our minds, to learn how to do it. For me, it used to be really hard as well. But as I've practiced being quiet before the Lord, it's become easier and easier that we would stop and just listen. Okay, God, I've said my piece. Now, what do you have for me? What do you want to say right now? And oftentimes, it's not even about him saying anything or hearing a particular word. It's about just being with him. That is the sweetest part. So God is communicating to us, and we need to rely on that communication, learn to understand his voice. Enjoyment of our relationship with Jesus Christ is found in relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer. When we're hearing God speak on a regular basis, that brings us amazing joy, right? When we're understanding that, oh, he's active and involved, that, it, it, you know, that he's always communicating, that brings joy and excitement to us. 
Second is journeying. And this aspect to this point is about the fact that we are in the family of God. We need to enjoy the voice of God, but we also enjoy him through the family of God. And, 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 and here, you know, for back to, you know, Debbie and I's relationship, it, you know, when I got, we got married, there was a lot of bonuses for me. I mean, it was a good, good thing. I mean, like, beautiful woman, you know, you know, walk around and people are all like jealous and, you know, how come that guy got her? You know, this kind of thing. There's a lot of, a lot of benefits, right? Uh, good meals. I you know, put on some pounds. It was great. Um, anyway, so there's a lot of benefits to that relationship, but there were also some downsides, and uh, that would be the in-laws right? I mean, and when you get married, right, you don't just marry the woman or the man, right? That's you're marrying the whole family, right? And, and, and the, the, the whole package is part of it. No, it's not just me getting to know her now. It's not just me loving her. I've also got to love her parents and her sister. And I mean, there's your brother-in-law. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of things that come with that, right? I can't just say, oh, well, I don't really like them. I don't want to be a part of that relationship. I just want, you know, her. Let's go and we're, we're just going to leave and, and leave them behind. No, it's the whole package. We get the whole family. And this is the same with the family of God. When we bow our knee to Jesus, he adopts us into our family, and we've got a bunch of in-laws that we need to learn to get along with. Or outlaws, exactly. Oftentimes, we like to talk in kinder terms about the family of God, right? You know, oh, well, they're just brothers and sisters in Christ, you know. No, that's too easy, right? This in-law thing, I think it kind of gives the dynamic, because it can be, ta- it can be hard, Right? I mean, that's not, when we look at Jesus, we don't go, oh yeah, then we're going to get all these in-laws, right? (laughs) That's usually not the the thought, right? We're like all excited about Jesus and getting that relationship and being adopted into his family and being an heir like Jesus, right, to God's, you know, treasures. But we also get the family. But we we need the family. This this is part of the relationship. We, We can't just ignore it. We can't just push it off to the side. Too many Christians today are, are, are frustrated with the church, and so they're leaving the church. They think, I don't need the church. I can still be a follower of Jesus without the church. No, no, no. You need the in-laws. We need to be a part of the family together. This is a, for, this is a source of our enjoyment of this relationship that we have. I have learned so much about my wife from my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my sister-in-law because they grew up with them. They tell me the stories, funny stories, embarrassing stories, but also the stories of who she is. And that's the same for us with our relationship with God. We, every time there's a new person that comes into this church and we get to know them and have a conversation with them, it is an opportunity for us to learn a new aspect about who God is. They have different stories, different relationship with God. We are better together. We know God better when we're together and we're working together. So we need to journey in community with his family. First of all, in life, all of life. Not just on Sunday mornings. This is what the connection groups is so important. It helps us to live more of life together, not just Sunday mornings. It's not just an hour and a half that we have to suffer with the in-laws. No, we actually have to meet with them during the week as well to get to know their stories, to interact with them more, to understand their relationship with God and what they are experiencing and what they're going through, but also for us to share with them. So it's all of life, but it's also honesty. We've got we've to interact honestly with each other. This is family. We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to share the struggles of life with each other. Not everybody has to know, but we need each other. And we need to be honest, but we also need to be truthful with each other. You know, so often in the churches, we avoid conflict. 
right? So, so somebody rubs us the wrong way or insults us or offends us in some way, and we don't deal with it. We either continue to go to the church but just kind of sit in the corner and try to avoid that person, or we leave the church because we're so offended. But this is family. That's not how we interact. And here's the thing. True love tells the truth. True love is going to engage in that conversation. True love is going to say, hey, you offended me. You know, the, the amazing thing is, is that, you know, we, we freak out by somebody coming and saying that we offended them and we get all, you know, bent out of shape even by that. But do you realize the act of love that that is? That they're saying by them coming to you and saying you have offended them, that you love them so much that you don't want to lose this relationship. So you want to try to reconcile this offense so that you can maintain that relationship and continue it on to greater, you know, pastures, right? beyond where you are today. When we just say, no, he's offended me and I'm going to turn the other way, that's apathy. That's not loving. It's the opposite of love. We need to be honest with each other. But we also need to be humble, too. That we would recognize that we don't know everything. That we would recognize that even when we go to that person who's offended us, that maybe there's something else going on that we don't realize. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we were offended when we shouldn't have been. There's got to be a humility in that as well. All right. I'm not going to have time to finish uh, the next two points. So I just asked the worship team to come up and we'll finish them next week. We've got one more week to do a vision statement fleshing out. Uh, and so we'll continue this next week and, and continue to dive in and what does this look like. But, but I hope some of the, the illustrations today and the metaphors used will help to kind of solidify in your mind what I'm talking about and the paradigm shift and how this works. Uh, you know, the reality is, is that God has called us into a relationship with Him. And He wants that to be primary. He wants it to start there. He wants to be the initiator of all that we do. Because righteousness is no longer based on our own behaviors. Our righteousness is not based on whether or not we toe the line and do all the law and the prophets as it's, as it's shared in His Word. That's, our righteousness is not based on that. Our righteousness is based on faith. It's based on what Jesus did. And so often we go back to the Bible and we begin to try to do all the, you know, the do's and the do nots, right? We're making sure we lined all those up so that we are doing the right thing so that God will be happy with us. We'll appease him and we'll be in good relationship with him. But the whole time he's just saying, would you just come and spend time with me? It's not about making disciples. It's about spending time with me first. We'll go make disciples together. But don't just do it on your own. It's not about reading my, the Bible and understanding my word. I mean, that's important. I've written stuff in there for you. But come to me first. Let's spend time together so I can show you where I want you to read next. So I can show you what is the important thing that I want you to draw out next so that that will help you to develop you and to sanctify you and to make you and allow you to enjoy more fully this relationship that we have. God has called us first and foremost to relationships. That's the mission, to love God and to love others. May we each be seeking that first. May we each stop 
and just ask the question, God, what do you want me to do today?